Welcome to Purely Inspired. I'm Teresa and I'd like to welcome you all here. On my podcast, I connect and share with some amazing people from all walks of life about real and authentic stories on life, love and any experiences they have endured. I look forward to introducing some very special guests who will be here to share their stories and also be the voice of those who are never heard or stories that are never told. Before I get started, let me tell you about this really great mobile application called Anchor, where you can start your own podcast from your phone. This lets you record, edit and upload for free if you download the app. It's literally that simple. Anchor will distribute your podcast on many platforms such as Spotify, Apple and so many others. Do me a favour and download this fantastic app and get started. Good morning and welcome back to my podcast. Today I'll be doing things a bit different as it's a day where my heart feels what happened four years ago when we tragically had to say farewell for now to a very special and loving man, my soulmate and darling Tony. It is the first anniversary of your transition over from this reality since I released my book, The Invisible Blade, at the end of last year. To my soulmate and love, Tony. It is with a sad heart that I recall this day, but one that is also very grateful and blessed to have had you in our lives. I will always treasure the love we shared from the day we met all those years ago on the island in Fiji. You were that cool, handsome Marlin guy who had such a zest for life and taught me so much about how precious life is. You showed me how to love without any condition and give from your heart. You had a heart of gold and had touched so many people's lives. That infectious laugh, easy and happy-going personality is something we miss but we hold on to those memories and treasure these forever in our hearts. I know you are with me and the boys today and always guiding us along the way from where you are. I feel your presence through the hard days and know if you were here would be telling me to keep going, honey. You got this. Your love has kept me strong through it all. And since you left this reality, I will continue this journey the best way I can and know that I'm here to help many others through their lives in whatever way I can. My podcast today will be a free version of the audiobook that I narrated earlier this year and released. It is chapter two, the 24 hours that changed everything. The full version of my audiobook has been published on a number of platforms through the Finding Voices site and Publish Drive. You can click on my Hello LLC link in my briefcase for a link to the paperback, Kindle or hardcover version on Amazon 
or check out other sites such as Apple Books, Barnes & Noble, Google Play, Scribed, 24 Symbols, Rukitan Kobu, and CNP e-reading. If you would like any further information on what I do and share with others, please reach out to me via my Hello LLC link, or if you would like to be a guest on my podcast. I'm sending love and light to those around the world listening to this. My heart is very grateful for your kind love and support. I appreciate each and every one of you and wish you only the very best, a life of love, happiness, peace and joy. See the beauty in the greatest gift we have been given, life. One love to you all. Chapter 2. The 24 hours that changed everything. Love is like the wind. You can't see it, but you can feel it. Quote by Nicholas Sparks. It all started on what we thought was a normal weekend with the family. It was a Sunday morning in early April. The day started with a romantic walk along the soft white sand. I felt a slight breeze in my hair and watched the beautiful sunrise appear, feeling the heat of the summer morning air. Local residents were also out enjoying the morning sunshine, busy exercising, out in the water for a morning swim or surf, spending quality time with each other. The positive morning vibes were evident as they went about their activities. Tony and I walked along the white sandy beach, holding hands like young lovers, smiling and laughing as if we had just fallen in love and watched the waves hit the shoreline. We basked in the sunshine for a time and I felt the warmth of his touch before we decided to grab a morning fix at the local coffee shop. This was our morning routine and we had our favourite coffee shop we would frequent together. It was a cool yet funky mobile coffee shop with the soothing vibes of reggae music flowing through the summer air which always made people smile. We loved our little pick-me-up and enjoyed catching up with the local residents in the area. Hey, hey, you two, we heard in the distance. The friendly yet cool owner dressed in his favourite Bob Marley t-shirt and summer shorts, dreadlocks and sunglasses on his head, stood in the window of the mobile coffee shop with a big beaming smile on his face. He was obviously sending out positivity to those that came to enjoy a taste of his speciality coffee. Tony and I ordered our usual tall cappuccinos and stopped to speak with the owner and catch up on the local news in the area. We decided earlier we wouldn't stop for long as we had planned a few things to do with the kids and wanted to make the most of our time together at home. So after a quick catch up, we left to head home and see what the teenagers had in store for the day. As we pulled up to the driveway, you could tell the house was buzzing with the echo of a boombox playing music in one of the bathrooms, as well as rustling around in the kitchen as a hungry teenagers woke looking for something to eat. Our middle son Brian had been getting ready for a shift at the local takeaway and was ready to walk out the door. Tyson, the oldest son, was in the kitchen and looking forward to seeing one of his friends who had flown up from Melbourne. And the youngest, Kyle, was still in dreamland, sleeping through all the noise. I got on with my morning chores, hanging out the laundry, cleaning up the house and feeding the pets as they were patiently awaiting their morning feed. It was a typical Saturday as Tony went about his activities and the kids were busy with theirs. Music was on and echoing throughout the house. 
You could also feel a sense of excitement in the air as Tony had finally bought himself the new boat he had been thinking about for so long. It wasn't anything fancy, but to him it meant so much as it was something he had wanted and planned to get himself. He had a love of the water and if given a chance would have spent most of his life as a fisherman out at sea. He would tell me how he felt at home, free and just at peace when he was there. Without a care in the world, he'd be taken away to another place, even if he was sitting on the boat with a fishing rod, feeling the ocean air and sipping a cool beer to quench his thirst. The simple pleasures in life meant the world to him. As the day progressed, the older teenagers had left for the day, going to work or socialising with friends. Tony and I spent the day at home with Kyle, who had been busy in his room, playing with friends on his PlayStation. The weekly household chores kept me occupied for most of the day, and Tony spent time completing his training course online for his boating licence. We had arranged to go out in the afternoon for his practical out on the water with the trainer, but due to time passing by so fast, we rescheduled until the next day. For some reason, time went fast that day. We waited until Brian came home from work so we all could all go out to our local Chinese restaurant for dinner. Our last-minute option, which, unbeknownst to us all, would be our last family meal together. The small yet busy local Chinese restaurant seemed to come alive on weekends. The four of us had booked in and enjoyed a lovely dinner together. The restaurant was starting to get full and alive with the vibe of the weekend diners who were there. Things somehow seemed a bit different, but not totally normal. Tony was quieter than usual. He was generally more vocal and had a lot to say, especially as he enjoyed times together with his family like this. He only had a few beers, but fell very quiet after he ordered his usual duck speciality on the menu. After dinner, we drove home with the intention of going out for a bit of fun together after the kids were settled. I could feel something wasn't quite right, but for the life of me, couldn't put my finger on it. Tony was quiet, almost distant, but never said anything, except that he was feeling a bit tired and may take the lead to lie down for a bit. The teenagers went to settle in their rooms and play online games with their friends. I had completed organising a few things around the house, as Tony had asked if we could take a rain check on our night out. I was wondering why he was feeling tired and needed to lie down. He said it was hot, but it wasn't a very humid night at all, and there was a slight cool breeze flowing through the house. The temperature had dropped somewhat, and there was a forecast of rain later that night. I waited up for a while to watch a bit of television, as the Commonwealth Games were on before deciding to call it a night. I prepared for bed and lay down next to Tony. The ceiling fan was on high, and the room felt very cold, so I turned it down. I lay down next to him. His body was very hot and I could feel the warmth of his body and him sweating in his sleep. I placed my head on the pillow and lay awake, though I was trying to doze off to sleep. I could feel Tony's body so warm, then noticed he started to get a bit fidgety in his sleep. He woke and turned to me as he felt me beside him. He tried to turn over but then suddenly got up, sitting upright in bed and asked me for some medication as he had a sudden headache. He sat up quickly in bed and lifted his hand to his head to show that the pain was sharp on the top or back of his head. I was trying to make sense of where the pain was when he swore out loud, Ah, oh, fuck, shit, it hurts, quick, please, as the pain was so sharp and painful. It was clear something was horribly wrong. 
The pain in his face showed it all. He was concerned too as he dropped back on the bed, holding his head and closed his eyes as he bore it. I had a feeling something wasn't right. I turned to grab a bottle of water I had by the bedside and fetched the pain relief he had asked for. Tony grabbed it and placed it in his mouth, followed quickly by the water. At the same time, he tried to move to the edge of the bed as he said he felt the urge to go to the toilet. I rushed to help him, but he said his foot had no feeling in it and he could feel pain going up his left arm as well. I rushed from my phone to call emergency services as I knew now that something was horribly wrong. As I was calling emergency services, I noticed that Tony had shuffled along to the edge of the bed, sliding onto his side, using his other arm to shift his body along. He was trying to get himself to the ensuite bathroom to lift himself up, but lost his balance and fell onto the bedroom floor in front of me. My heart sank as I called out quickly to my sons to come and help. The lady on the phone from emergency services was calmly asking a series of questions, but my voice was quivering as I was anxiously pleading with her and told her just to hurry, please, we need help and now. Kyle had come into the room. He saw his father lying on the ground and struggling to get up with the aid of his mother. I pleaded for him to get his brother downstairs quickly. He was in shock and stood there until I told him to please run and get him. Run quick! As I was trying to help Tony, our other son Brian rushed in. Tony was on the side of the bed trying to pinch his left arm and reassure us that he was okay. I'm okay, I'm okay, he said as he pinched his arm and looked at me with his dark brown eyes, trying to reassure me that he would be fine. He was putting on a brave face for us, but I knew he wasn't. I was trying to just remain calm until the paramedics arrived. The swell of emotion started as I felt complete shock starting to set in. I suddenly noticed that his left leg was straight. His hand clenched shut in a fist and the left side of his mouth slightly drooping. It was evident he wasn't okay. The signs of a stroke were clear. I was feeling so scared and helpless but remained calm as I needed to think fast to ensure help was on the way for him. The lady on the other end of the phone was still trying to ask me a series of questions to determine if this was the case. I kept pleading, please, please just hurry, as I was trying to hold back tears. Tony was adamant that he needed to make it to the bathroom and asked for his son to take him there. Brian had rushed up the stairs as soon as Kyle had gone to fetch him from his room. The paramedics had arrived and were shown up the stairs. Tony kept trying to insist he was okay, but it was clear his body was not functioning properly. The paramedics attended the ensuite where he lay and tried to help him by placing an IV cannula in his arm to administer some medication to calm him down. We could see that his mind was trying to fight this and his body wasn't responding to the medication. I was there with the paramedics trying to calm him down. He asked the female paramedic for her name, pulling at the leg of her trousers with his right arm. She replied telling Tony her name and reassured him they were trying to help him. All we could hear were his final words, please, just help me quickly, give me some medication so I can walk and run again, please. Another paramedic arrived a short time later to help the two who were already there. The senior paramedic said that he had come with stronger medication to assist with trying to sedate Tony, who was clearly struggling and was trying to calm him down as his body had just taken over. The paramedics 
managed to calm him enough to prepare him to get him to the emergency department at the hospital. With Brian's help assisting to lift his father, they got Tony onto a stretcher and carefully manoeuvred him through the difficult entrance down the stairs and into the ambulance. I hurried to get ready so I could leave with him in the ambulance. Kyle, our youngest, was clearly in shock and had taken himself to his room to try to understand what had happened to his father. As we were walking out the front door, I noticed that the weather had changed and it had started to rain. The cold air made the scene so eerie and haunting. We were all in shock from what had just happened. The night air felt so cold and the rain started to pick up. A freezing chill came with the wind as it ran through my body. I could feel my body starting to get overwhelmed with emotion and I was holding back tears. I was shaking and trying to think fast and on my feet as we were rushing to the ambulance. I was more worried about my husband and wanted to make sure the paramedics covered his bare body against the cold air as we came out of the house. Brian helped to place him into the ambulance and carefully watched as they prepared him for the trip to the hospital. Later on, my son recalled this moment, seeing his father open his eyes for the last time and take his last glance at him. He looked into his father's eyes and later said to me, It was at that point, Mum, that I knew Dad wasn't coming home. I was feeling so empty and annoyed as he told me this. I was not accepting the fact Tony wasn't coming home and was going to find a way to make sure he would get the proper care and treatment needed to help him survive this. With my mobile phone in my hand, I was frantically trying to get a message to my younger sister interstate. I knew Tyson was working his second job as security on the door at the local night venue so wouldn't have his phone handy. I had messaged my sister earlier about what was happening and asked her to reach out to Tyson and keep a check on my other boys as I was hurried away with my husband. Just as we were about to leave, the driver of the ambulance asked me for directions to the hospital as the GPS wasn't working. I was helping her with directions whilst the other paramedics in the back were monitoring my husband and keeping him stable. The weather started to pick up, wind howling, rain getting heavy and lightning splitting the night sky. The wiper blades were frantically sweeping across the windscreen trying to clear visibility so that the driver could see where we were going as the rain got heavier and heavier. The female paramedic drove so carefully through the bad weather so that we could get Tony to the emergency department. I was sitting in the front seat trying to send a few quick messages to my sister to pass on to my son and other family members. The drive felt like it lasted forever, but in fact we got there quickly. On arrival I could feel a gaping pit in my stomach as I saw a team of medical staff waiting in the emergency bay for our arrival. They were all watching and waiting patiently for us to pull into the bay. It was like a scene from one of those television series on hospital emergencies but this was no television series. It was our reality. The medical staff was swift and wasted no time. I'd been hurried out of the front of the ambulance and taken to the emergency room with staff. I had to answer a lot of questions very quickly as I placed my husband onto the hospital bed. There were doctors and nurses everywhere, medical staff working so fast and hurrying around to stabilise him. I felt my heart sink and drop to a deep, dark pit in my stomach. I wanted to be there by his side and reassure him that he was going to be okay, but I couldn't. I had to let the medical staff attend to him and help him the best they could. I felt so hopeless. I was ushered to a private room. 
away from the main area where they were working on him to answer a few more questions about what had occurred leading up to the event, what support network we had, and if there was anyone else. I needed to notify. I looked at the lady as she asked me that question, confused and thinking, why would you say that? He's going to be okay, surely. He's going to be okay. My heart was slowly starting to feel the strain of what was unfolding and I was trying so damn hard to keep it all together. My body kept shaking as the words were coming out of her mouth. I was trying to keep hold of my body and stop the shaking sensation. I was shivering from the shock and the cold. I tried holding my hands together and placed them close to my body. What was happening? I never felt like this before. The medical staff told me that they'd taken my husband away for a CT scan to determine what had happened and would be back as soon as it was done. I could hear my phone ringing constantly and messages popping up. So many things were happening all at once and so fast. The staff had said to me that I needed to get my children here as soon as possible. Brian was constantly calling and so upset. He was worried about cleaning up the ensuite as my husband had got sick as we were leaving the house before they placed him on the stretcher. He was also very concerned about Kyle and about what was happening here. I could hear the confusion, panic and stress in his voice as he talked. I was trying to reassure him but felt helpless as I could feel their pain too. I had told the medical staff that my older son Tyson was working as a security guard at a venue and the older two boys were at home. They were arranging transport as they advised that all of them would be in shock and shouldn't drive. A taxi was dispatched to pick Tyson up, who at this point was unaware of the events that had unfolded. Brian had already jumped into his car and driven out with his younger brother after he spoke with me. As the staff were informing me of what was happening, I told them I needed to call Tony's mother overseas. My husband loved his mother so dearly, and it needed to be the first call I made to let her know what had occurred. I also needed to speak with my mother, as she too was very close with him and treated him like her son. I made the call overseas and woke up my husband's sister, as it was early morning there. She was in disbelief, and I asked to speak with his mother to tell her what had happened. While I was on the phone, two of my aunties arrived as my young sister had reached out to let them know what was going on. I will always remember that call overseas. Tony's sister scolded me and told me to, Get it together and stop crying! This can't be happening, was all I could think. In the distance, I could see my two younger boys walking fast down the corridor. Both were dressed in summer shorts and t-shirts, shivering from the cold night air and also in shock. Tyson arrived just in his security uniform, confused as to why a taxi had pulled up at the front door at work and rushed him to the emergency department of the hospital. All of them were looking to me for guidance and answers to what was happening to their father. Tyson was trying to make sense of things, as we hadn't seen him after we had returned from our family dinner. The last time he saw us all was at home preparing for a night out to dinner whilst he was preparing to go to work. The chief consultant and medical staff returned to the waiting room where we had been waiting. I was handed my husband's watch and the chain he wore around his neck. I held these tightly clenched in my hands. This was not what I was expecting. Why were they handing me his things? A huge lump formed in my throat and I could feel myself trying to hold it all back as they spoke. Quivering, and trembling, my body was shaking, and I was absolutely shattered as they delivered the news to us all. <sighs> the tears welled up in my eyes, 
and I couldn't stop them flowing down my cheeks. I recall the words as they were telling us the diagnosis and what had happened. Tony had suffered a catastrophic stroke and brain hemorrhage. All of my boys looked so gutted and broken with disbelief and I was trying to process it all. My hands couldn't stop shaking and I was trembling even more. I wanted to let the doctors know that I could hear what they were saying but that I was going to be there no matter what it took. I was going to care for him until he was back to his normal self again and tend to all his needs. I was annoyed that they were not hearing me and getting so upset. No, 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 not him. Please tell me this is all wrong. Please tell me he will be okay. No. The flood of emotions hit me hard as more and more tears welled in my eyes. I was trying to swallow and control my breathing. I couldn't breathe and a big pit in my stomach was starting to pull at my heart. Why was it hurting so much? I couldn't believe this was happening. No, no, not now. Please, not him. Please, help him. That was all I could think of. I tried to breathe as they all spoke to me. My sons were hearing the diagnosis and telling me to listen. One of them was saying, Please, Mum, please listen. Dad isn't well. He doesn't want to be like this and might not come home. I was feeling so angry and hurt that they could say things like that. He was my life, my love. No, not now. I don't want to hear that. Please. I pleaded with the doctors to help him. Help us do what we can for him. Please just help. The tears were flowing and my voice was shaky. I wasn't giving up and I was determined to do whatever I could to help him. When the medical team left us to try and process the news, the room felt so cold, so cold and airy. Tears and crying were all that could be heard in the room, along with constant messages popping up on our phones from those who knew what had happened and wanted an update. My children were trying to process us all, and so was I. We sat in silence, upset and in disbelief. Our whole world starting to come crashing around us. After a period of time, the medical team returned to advise us that my husband had been taken to critical intensive care, ICU, and was stable. We were able to attend and see him there. The smell of pristine white floors and hospital-grade disinfectant lingered as we took what seemed to be a long walk to the intensive care unit from the emergency department. The night lights were dim and the fresh, cool air wafted through the corridor when the door opened for us to take that final step into the ward. There was an eerie silence, but in the distance we could hear the sounds from the monitors in the patients' rooms. The steps seemed drawn out, but I was running on adrenaline, even though I was emotionally, mentally and physically exhausted. What should I expect, I thought, as I approached his room. As we entered, I saw my strong and fit man held captive by a breathing monitor and tubes from his face and body, helping him to survive. So independent and full of life, yet so helpless and still. He was in an induced coma and looked calm. I paused for a moment to take in 
what I saw around him. The nurse assigned to his care was busy in the back of the room, monitoring his progress and vitals and recording notes. She looked up to greet us. I approached his bedside, trying so hard to hold back the tears, but I just couldn't. I reached out to touch his warm hand, put his palm so gently in mine, softly placed a kiss on his forehead, paused and whispered, I love you, in his ear. I bowed my head in silence, gently trying to close my sore swollen eyes and say a prayer, asking God to please watch over him. Please give him strength and help us remain strong for him. I pleaded for a miracle as I prayed for his healing. We were given some time with him and I knew the boys were exhausted as well. I asked if there was anywhere they could rest while we tried to figure out what we needed to do next. The nurses helped the boys and the aunts to the waiting room and provided blankets so they could rest. They tried to sleep on the chairs and floor area in makeshift beds. This would be where they would remain each night, holding a vigil and taking turns to be by their dad's side. They refused to go anywhere as they just wanted to be with their dad. I stayed with Tony in the room with his assigned nurse. The nurse on duty saw that I was struggling to stand. I had become overweight around that time and I had recently let myself go. I had changed from being a fit, healthy young lady working in a demanding and active professional role to a busy mother with a sedentary role in an office. I never really ate a lot. I missed meals but then reached for comfort foods to sustain my appetite. I was always working to pay the bills and help Tony care not only for our family but others in his family overseas when we could. We were just an average family doing life the best way we could, living paycheck to paycheck. Even so, Tony and I felt we were very blessed as we had three healthy children, a roof over our heads, food on the table and a lot of love. We enjoyed each other's company and our house was always busy with friends and family coming to stay or visit. Music was always vibing through the house. He and I busy fussing to cook or care for everyone who visited to ensure they were all okay. And yes, like many families, we had our share of ups and downs. I could feel that my legs were tight and I had swollen feet and ankles. I had no appetite and even when the nurse offered food, I didn't want to eat it. She offered an apple juice and a sandwich or a cup of tea. I sipped the apple juice to quench my thirst and gasped as I felt the relief. She also put a bottle of water on the bedside tray for me. The beautiful nurse on duty asked her colleague to help with a reclining chair. They could elevate close to his bed so that I could lie with him and fall off to sleep. She could see the pain in my eyes as I sat helplessly by his side. I was exhausted but refusing to go to sleep. The nurses were trying to encourage me to rest and prepare for the next part of this journey with him. Time had gone by and it was the early hours of the morning. I had asked the nurses to check the boys were okay and let them know where I was staying for the night. I was still shivering with the cold but I was told I was in shock. The nurses brought in my reclining chair and placed it carefully by Tony's bedside. One of them had gone to find something to sustain my energy levels. As I could see, I was struggling to stay on my feet and process everything. 
I sat in the chair and felt such a sense of relief as they elevated my legs off the floor. I could feel the pressure off my feet as blood flowed back up my legs. <sighs> Another nurse came in to place a warmed blanket over me and new bed socks on my feet to keep them warm. What angels they were. I was struggling to stay awake, but I turned to place my head gently on Tony's warm chest so I could hear his heartbeat. I recalled the precious moments we shared and lay there feeling the tears falling down my cheeks. I lay there praying and asking God to please, please help us. The night nurse stayed in the room with us and assured me she would watch over him and let me know if I needed to be informed of anything. She assured me the boys were fine and trying to rest. She asked me to do the same to keep my strength up, not just for me, but for Tony as well. I put my arm around him to hug him. As I lay there listening to his heartbeat, I drifted off to sleep, hoping I would wake up and this would be a complete nightmare and not really happening. I woke up after an hour thinking I'd slept all night. The nurse on duty whispered in my ear that it wasn't time to wake. Please try to rest some more, sweetie. I'm here. It's okay. I'm so glad that I did take those extra few moments to rest a bit more. The rising sun appeared and shone through the window only a few hours after I'd laid down. The hours just didn't seem to matter anymore. I felt my eyes sting as I tried to wake up. I stirred, hoping I was waking from a bad nightmare, only to see that nothing had changed. I heard the monitors still sounding in the background and Tony aided by a breathing machine that was keeping him stable and alive. The doctors did their morning rounds to check on him and they spoke with me before they left. I heard my aunts in the background telling me to go home to freshen up and take the boys to do the same. I was reluctant to leave but they assured me Tony would not be alone. They would wait here till we returned. I took the lonely walk down the cool corridor, smelling the hospital grade disaffected, hearing the sounds of the monitors and seeing the medical staff going about their morning rounds. My heart was heavy as I left him there. I walked in to get our boys. I saw their three bodies lying in the visiting room in awkward sleeping positions, a thin blanket over each of them to try to keep them warm. I woke them slowly and asked them to get up so we could go home and freshen up and have a shower. As the four of us walked to the car park area, it felt like we were in a daze of disbelief. We were all thinking to ourselves in silence, so many feelings and emotions to process. Golden Nuggets, grab rest wherever and whenever you can. Eating will give you strength to cope.